members of Good Shepherd Congregation, family and friends that have gathered here this morning, and especially to you, dear Shar. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation today, the gospel reading that we heard just a moment ago from John chapter 6, especially these words, do not labor for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I remember the day like it was yesterday. September 7, 1966. It was a Wednesday. Pretty typical fall day, just like every other fall day on a small farm in small town Nebraska. A day of school for me, day of hard work for everyone else on the farm. After supper, we sat around watching TV. My dad said, you know, I'm going to paint the kitchen as soon as Green Acres is over. His favorite show. Right smack dab in the middle of Green Acres. My dad, 44 years old, dropped over dead of a heart attack. Death became more than a theory or an abstract thought. For this eight-year-old, it became real. It was very much a reality laying on the floor right in front of me. The same thing happens for each one of us at various times in our lives, doesn't it? Oh, maybe it starts out with the goldfish that jumps out of the bowl, or a dog or a cat, or a hamster, or a gerbil. Maybe, maybe a neighbor or an acquaintance. Maybe a, a Hollywood star or a sports figure. But those kind of deaths don't really touch us. Not the way the death of a close friend or a loved one, or a dad, or a grandpa, or a husband. Those deaths touch us with an icy grip. They hurt. Sometimes they hurt not only for days or weeks, but for decades. Death is real. In our, in our country, 
We've been reminded of the reality of death for well over two years as it played out in numbers on every television newscast. It kind of reminded me of when I was a kid. And when we would turn on the CBS or NBC or ABC Evening Nudes, and the first thing you heard every day was the death count in Vietnam. And now, now we have another war. Far away, but it still reminds us that death is real. So, why doesn't God do something about it? If there is a God, why doesn't he display his power and might and do something about this shroud, this sheet that covers over all people, that covers over all nations, as we heard in our Old Testament reading? There are many people who, who mock at us gathered here today. It's a pipe dream. Pie in the die when you sky kind of nonsense. George Carlin has a, a famous Saturday Night Live routine mocking death, mocking God mocking Christians. He said, how did God ever get such a good reputation? Everything he makes dies. My friends, we come into God's house today and the thing that has brought us all together at this point and at this time is death. So, what does God have to say to us and for the benefit of all of those who would rather mock our gathering than comfort us in our loss? My friends, God's word for you today is that God, the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is a God of life, not a God of death. Did you hear that? God is a God of life, not a God of death. When he created this world and everything in it, including the first people, Adam and Eve, he created them holy and perfect. Everything and everyone would live forever. That was God's plan. That was God's design. He looked at his creation and he said, not only is it good, it is very good. Holy. Perfect. But all that changed. One fateful day in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve thought they had better words than God. They fell. They fell for the lies of Satan. They fell from the grace and holiness of God. 
They fell into sin. And in their fall, all of creation fell. There was no bad weather. There were no wars or rumors of war. There was no pain or suffering or sorrow. There was no death. But Adam and Eve brought these horrific consequences to all people, even to us. And we feel them to this very day. God could have said, you made your own bed, now lie in it. He could have wiped them out and started over with a new creation. But instead, he gave them a word. A word of life. A word of hope. A word of peace. A word of promise. A word of forgiveness. He said, one day, I will send a Savior into this world who will crush the serpent's head once and for all. And he will restore this broken relationship between God and his creation. Adam and Eve believed that promise. Adam and Eve passed that promise on to their children and grandchildren, to generations yet unborn. Throughout the pages of the Old Testament scriptures, we read of that promise being given again and again and again by the prophets and the patriarchs. And when the time was right, when the time had fully come, God does what he always does. He keeps his word. He sent his son, born of a woman. He sent his son, born under the law, the law that condemns all of us. Why? To redeem us. To buy us back. Not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. In our text, Jesus says, I am the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven. He's talking about his incarnation. The miracle of how the second person of the Trinity, the eternal word, the eternal logos, took on flesh and blood and made his dwelling among us. But that miracle was not the mother of all miracles. Because this very bread of life, this Jesus who has taken on flesh and blood, would go to an old rugged cross. Not because of any sin he had committed. He was perfect. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus took your sin and my sin and the sin of the world onto himself and into himself, bleeding and dying the death we deserve. And then, three days later, the mother of all miracles. The stone-cold, dead body of Jesus came alive, never to die again. God promises that whoever clings to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will live forever. 
you believe it? Pretty hard to believe. Many of us just came from the graveside and we committed Dick's body to the ground. We're here for a funeral, a death. Our eyes, our ears, our heart tells us one thing. And God's word declares another. My friends, how do I get this forgiveness of sins that Jesus has earned through his life, death, and resurrection? That's a legitimate question. That's the question from our gospel reading for today. Jesus said, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him the Father has set his seal. They said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What do I do? What do I pay? How much do I pray? How much do I have to obey? What do I have to do? My friends, we live in America. A place of rugged individualism. We tell our children, if you work hard, you can be anything you want to be. Hard work is a hallmark, or at least it used to be, of our nation. There is perhaps no greater example that I know of than hard, of hard work than Dick Large. Everything he did, he did 100%. He worked hard, from the heart, with everything. I'll never forget the day, just like it was yesterday. The day that Dick and Shar walked into Good Shepherd. Some of you know this, most of you don't. The first time I saw Dick, you could have knocked me over with a feather. Splitting image of my dad. Or at least what I thought my dad would look like 40 years after he passed away. I couldn't take my eyes off him. I couldn't believe my eyes. Who was this guy? Shar had been in church a few times before. We had visited and talked about Western Nebraska and Imperial and Juanita Palisade and Pastor Heinz and all kinds of wonderful things. I knew she was married. I knew Dick by reputation. But I didn't know him. And I certainly didn't know what he looked like. Dick's reputation preceded him. Hardest working man I've ever met. 
one person told me. Proud Marine, war hero. Inventor, honest as the day is long. Entrepreneur, and the list went on and on and on. Hard work and Dick Large, synonymous. I was just a little bit nervous. First time I went for a visit. It was nothing like I expected. We sat at the kitchen table. We drank coffee. We ate goodies that Char had prepared. And we talked about church and about God. Whenever I would bring up something like the farm or horses, we talked a little bit about horses. My dad was a horse guy too. Or the military or all the plaques and patents and awards and things on the wall in his office. Always, always diffused that conversation. When I came, let's cut through the small talk. What does God have to say? At first, Dick wasn't always with Shar in church. Maybe once a month. I saw an amazing transformation and growth in faith over the last 20 some years. What was once a month being in God's house I got work to do, man. I don't have time for that church stuff. Became twice a month. Became every week. Every week, come hell or high water. And trust me, with Dick's service, he knew what hell and high water was. For the last several years, Dick couldn't come to church. So we had the privilege of being able to bring church to him. He was always so happy when we came. Literally, a smile from ear to ear. Not because he was lonely. He had the best caretaker in the history of the world in Shar. Not because he was lonely. We'd talk and point to pictures of family and other friends. He was happy because he knew why we were there. To bring the bread of life. To bring Jesus Christ to him. Into his ear and into his mouth through the Lord's Supper.
You see, Dick realized what all of us need to realize, that you can't work your way into heaven. That while hard work applies in just about every aspect of life, when it comes to faith, faith is a gift which the Son of Man will give to you. Everything that Jesus has accomplished in his Good Friday death and his Easter resurrection is a gift poured out in the waters of holy baptism where we are robed with the righteousness of Christ. Poured into our ears every time we hear that our sins are forgiven. Every time we hear that Christ died and rose for us. My friends, like the old hymn says, Nothing in my hand I bring Simply to thy cross I cling. My friends, it can be a terrible thing when you are used to working and using your hands and your legs and your eyes and your ears and your mind and your memory. For so many of us, our identity is wrapped up in our work, in our vocation, in what we do. And when we lose that, or begin to lose it, sometimes we're tempted to think that we're less valuable to society or less of a human being. It was great joy to be able to tell Dick month after month after month and then toward the end, week after week after week, how valuable and precious he was. Not because of his work, but because of God's work for him in Jesus Christ. How valuable and precious he was because he was in the nail-scarred hands of Jesus and nothing or no one could snatch him out. How valuable and precious he was because his sins were forgiven and his name was written in the book of life. Just a few days before Dick passed, I was out at the house, my last visit to the two of you at that time. Dick couldn't get out of bed. He was asleep. Char and I visited. Talked through some tough things. Shed a few tears. Then I went back to the room where Dick was at in, his, in the hospital bed now. He was laying there. His eyes were awake. I said, Hi, Dick. It's Pastor Poppy. And with the smile, the biggest smile that I've ever seen in my life, he said, Hello, old friend. I said, 
Would you like to have the Lord's Supper? And with all the strength that he had in that feeble now body, why not? We talked about the Good Shepherd Jesus and how the Good Shepherd Jesus had laid down his life for him and picked it back up again three days later. I held his hand while I shared that message. A grip that used to just about pinch my fingers off every time I shook his hand was very weak. But with every 10 seconds of my little sermonette, his grip got stronger and stronger and stronger. When it came time to receive the Lord's Supper, had to break the wafer into a small piece. Mouth was dry, was having a hard time swallowing. But he worked, and he worked, and he worked to eat the bread, which was the very body of Jesus. I held his head up and gave him a small sip of wine, the very blood of Christ. When I laid his head back down, he looked me in the eye and said, thank you. My friends, Dick Large has left a long and lasting legacy. Proud Marine, war hero, faithful husband, faithful dad, faithful grandpa, faithful citizen, inventor, entrepreneur, and the list goes on and on and on. But his greatest legacy, his most lasting legacy, is that he was a child of God who knew he was a sinner in need of a Savior, who clung to the words of Jesus to the very end. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their work, for their deeds follow them. My friends, our God is a God of life, not a God of death. Jesus says, I am the living bread who comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. The people said to Jesus, Sir, give us this bread always. May God do so for us today and always. Amen. Now may the peace of God 
which far surpasses all understanding. Keep our hearts, our minds, our ears, our work, and our faith in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.